like that. You Hello, everybody. Try Welcome that. to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it is taking everything in my power to record an episode today, and I'm not joking about that. But before we get into what we're going to talk about today, make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube. Search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, like, and follow the Facebook page. And, of course, you're listening to right now, so make sure you are following and are subscribed to the Apple Podcast and or Spotify accounts. And leave a rating on a five stars on both. It could be a one-star rating or a five-star rating. Just let me know why you feel the way you do down in the description below. Now, why this is taking me so long, why it's I'm trying to motivate myself to do this episode, is because we have been super, super inconsistent the past couple weeks. We have recorded two shows in the past two weeks. Actually, no. No, we've recorded three shows in the past three weeks. Because when the NFL draft took place, I think we only recorded a show on Wednesday. I don't know if we recorded a show on Monday. I don't know if we did a Monday show. I know we did a Wednesday show. And I know we did not do a Friday show because that was the NFL draft and I wasn't I wasn't doing that. I've tried to do that to myself where I record a show for an hour, two hours, however long it is to talk through every single pick in the draft. I've done that. It's not very fun. I used to do it. Remember when I used to, well, I don't know if you, I say remember, like this is, has a massive following or something. But a few years ago, I used to do a Instagram live with a friend of mine named Tyler. And we would go through the NFL. We would do like our own NFL draft coverage. Every year we did it for two years. We did the 2020 NFL draft and the 2021 NFL draft. We didn't do it last year and we obviously didn't do it this year. But I tried to do a show right after the draft and after doing that. So I was already talking for about four hours. And then going on and doing a show right afterwards, I was deadbeat tired. After that, I barely was able to get out of the bed the next morning. It sucked. It was brutal. So I was not doing that again. I was not recording a show after the draft, so we waited until Monday to do that. And then things popped up that Wednesday, and things popped up or that Tuesday, and then things popped up that Thursday where I couldn't do it. Same thing happened this week. So we recorded a show on Monday, okay? Then Tuesday, completely forgot about this, but my dad had a couple work events that he wanted to make an appearance at. We were meeting somebody for dinner. And then we had an AGC event at the Iowa Cubs game on Tuesday night. So for those types of things in the world of construction, the Association of General Contractors, we had to make an appearance there. So being with my dad, who runs the company, I, he wants me to make you know my appearances. People talk to me over the cellular phone device. Like if they want to wash out bin or if they want a dumpster or if they want to build, they call Mr. Me. They call me. So I need to make my appearances known because I don't know everybody by face. I know them by voice, but if I walked up to one of the people I talked to on the phone, I wouldn't be able to tell you who the hell they were until they start talking. So my dad wants me to make all these different appearances at these things, so I couldn't I couldn't record a show. I, got, I went to the, the meeting that we had before, then we went to the game, and then I didn't get back to my apartment until after 11. So I'm sitting in my apartment at 11.30. I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed. Had a long day, going to bed. And then Thursday, today, I didn't, again, similar thing, kind of forgot about it, forgot it was a thing, but my sister got done with school. Okay, so congratulations. She's not done with, like, she's doing grad school, she needs to do some internships and stuff as well, but as far as the school school goes, she's done. So she needed to move out of her apartment, her lease was up. 
So you need to move out of her apartment. The, the lady that owned the complex or the company that owned the complex was showing that apartment later today. I don't know if they ended up showing it or not, but we needed to get everything out of there so they could show the apartment. It was a hot, it was a hot commodity, this apartment. So we had to move everything out. And this is a 23-year-old female who has a lot, a lot, and I cannot put this lightly, shit in her apartment. It took us five to six hours to move this stuff. So we left Des Moines at around 9.30, 10 o'clock, got up to Cedar Falls around noon, then had to wait for her because she was grading papers. So my dad and I, we moved the couch out, we moved some tables out into this giant-ass trailer that my dad brought that could fit an entire freaking house in it. And we put all the stuff, the, the main thing, the bigger items out there first. And then we get her, because we haven't eaten anything. So we get there about, so we're there moving this stuff. Then about 1 o'clock rolls around, Claire is ready to roll. So we are ready to get lunch. So we get lunch, and we go back, and there is so much, and again, I cannot stress this enough, shit <laughs> in this apartment. And even she's complaining about it. Now, is she going to do anything to solve that issue? Is she going to quit her spending habits? Is she going to, like, go on hoarders or something? Hell no. Hell no. She's going to be doing the exact same thing. So when we have to move her down to Dallas or Fort Worth, whatever the hell it's called, we're going to go through the same exact process again. And I don't know how they're going to put it all in my parents' house. I don't know if they're going to get a storage unit or something. But they, she got a lot of stuff. She got a lot of stuff. So this thing rolled around, and we got I got back to my apartment at about 9.15. So it has been there all day. It is 9.36 right now. And we were recording a show. And the reason, again, I'm recording a show is cause, just because of how inconsistent we've been recently. Just due to all the stuff that's going, around, going on around us, whether that's work or personal matters. Like today I would consider a personal matter, but we still were working. Had the phone on me at all times. Had my work laptop with me so we could dispatch when needed. Yeah, it was a, it was a fun day. Tiring day. So Friday... It's going to be a long day. It's going to be a very, very long day. I'm going to bed probably around 11 o'clock tonight. Got to get up early tomorrow morning as well, so it'll be fun. But with that being said, I know that we promised quarterback prospect rankings for the 2024 NFL Draft, and wah, 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 we haven't gotten them done. We haven't gotten them done. There's been so much crap that's been going on around recently that we haven't had time. We haven't had time to get it done. I Again, like I said on Monday... I have the comprehensive list down, but I want to make sure I've got all my eye, my eyes crossed, my T's dotted. <laughs> I want to make sure everything is good to go, so we can post that and not feel like a complete idiot when we post it. Like, you get what I'm saying? Like I, I want it to be as accurate as possible. I know it, we're sitting here in May. The draft is next year in April. So the fact if we were posting anything now. If we put, like, a quarterback that's not even on the radar at one, you know what? It's probably going to be just as inaccurate as if I put in order like I think it's going to be because it doesn't freaking matter. Because you look at my last year's list, it wasn't accurate at all due to what actually happened. And some of the quarterbacks that were in that list didn't even go out this year. I might as well pull that up now. I might as well pull that up now about last year's NFL draft quarterback prospect rankings for 2023, the insanely early ones. Like, the top two... Stayed the same. It was Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. I remember that. Now, if I go back... Okay, here we go. July 22nd. No, 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 no. Never mind. May 4th. May the 4th be with you. Insanely early 2023 quarterback prospect rankings. May 4th, 2022. Starting off with the top two. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. Number three was Will Levis. Number four, 
I really like this guy. <laughs> I'm not. I'm more hesitant on him this year than I was last year. This exact same time last year, because this dude had all the potential. He had insane arm talent. He had some decent athleticism. He had the size you were looking for. He was getting a new coach in, new offensive system. Like it was going to be an awesome year for this guy. Because when the coach came in, and we made sure to bring this up last year, the head coach came in and said he's the best quarterback in college football. And we said on the show, after Mario Cristobal said that about Tyler Van Dyke, we were like, okay, I think he's going to be really good, but let's hold the horse on that. Let's hold off on that. And then we go into the season, and Miami is just all over the freaking place. Like, they don't look convincing in any of their first few games of the season, and they got beat by Middle Tennessee State. Like, they had moments, Tyler Van Dyke had moments, but for the most part, it was just a giant disappointment. They fired their offensive coordinator this year, who we've talked about before when Brian Ferentz got all those super awesome offensive, uh, what do you want to call those? Stipulations? Requirements? Contract requirements? I remember we were talking about that a few months ago, and then Miami's offensive coordinator got fired. We're doing a way better offense than Brian did. It's just funny how that works out, but Tyler Van Dyke was supposed to be really awesome. I and mean, you look at the season before, 25 touchdowns, six interceptions the season before, almost 3,000 yards, just under 3,000 yards. And you look at last year, granted, he battled some injuries, but this past season, 10 touchdowns, five interceptions. He had one less interception than he did the season prior in way less games and way 15 less touchdowns. So Tyler Van Dyke stock dropped, but I think as from a tool standpoint, Tyler Van Dyke can definitely get back into that conversation if he gets things, you know, flowing on the right track again. Because I think that's important. I think it's important. In Miami, they can't be much worse than what they had than what they were last year. I think second season's gonna be good. Fifth was Anthony Richardson. Fifth was Anthony Richardson. I really liked Anthony Richardson. We've been very high on Anthony Richardson. He played a few games for Florida in 2021. Like we had the moments of like, hey, this guy's good. This guy's really good, really talented, but the numbers weren't there yet. We had the athletic ability. It was like, can we just see him put it all together? So we had him at number five. He ended up being number three. So Will Levis ended at number four. Tyler Van Dyke didn't go back to the draft this year. Number six, again, similar-ish situation. We have a guy that is really athletic or really talented. I shouldn't say really athletic, decently athletic, good arm talent, and more athletic than Tyler Van Dyke. Has similar size, 6'5", 226 but was coming off an injury from the season prior. Played really well his first season at this college. He transferred from Notre Dame, transferred to this new school, played really well his first year, got injured his next year, and then this year just didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. And that's Phil Yurkovic. Phil Yurkovic now plays for Pittsburgh. He just transferred this offseason. But Phil Yurkovic, I was fully expecting him to have a really, really, really good year at Boston College. Like, you look at his first, so he transferred from Notre Dame, his first year at Boston College, he put up 2,500 yards, had 17 touchdowns and five picks, put up decent yards rushing as well, and then the next year, injured his hand early in the season against UMass, didn't really do a lot that season, but put up seven yard, seven touchdowns, four interceptions. Wait, UMass was that year, right? Yeah, UMass was that year. Okay, just wanted to make sure. So he put up seven touchdowns, four interceptions, but averaged 6.4 yards per carry at 322 yards on the ground with five touchdowns. So, like... If he can stay healthy, this dude can be really good. We obviously know about Zay Flowers. Like, you had people there for it to be good. And then this year, he got, I believe he got hurt again. Or he just played, I couldn't remember. I can't remember. I know he didn't start the season off uh, uh, on fire. 
and just completely fell off the map. Like, he barely played this last season. He didn't play past October. And Boston College was not very good this past season. So Phil Yurkovic, a Pittsburgh-area native, is going to play for Pittsburgh, who with Keaton Slovis transferring to BYU this offseason. So Keaton Slovis, who was a very good quarterback at USC, then got hurt, lost his job with Caleb Williams coming in, had a shoulder issue. Caleb Williams comes in. Obviously, he's not going to stay. So he goes to Pittsburgh, does decent, if that's even the way you want to put it. I don't even think he was that decent. He was just all right at Pittsburgh. And now he's transferring to BYU. Now we got Phil Yurkovic going to Pittsburgh. I think Phil Yurkovic fits what Pittsburgh wants to do. He's more mobile. He's like a key, uh, Kenny Pickett in that sense. But we'll see We'll see how he does this year. But I hope he does better than that. But I was so confident in Phil Yurkovic going into the season. Number seven, Hendon Hooker. Yeah, I mean, going off of the season prior, 31 touchdowns, three interceptions. It was awesome. Great season for Hendon Hooker. He, was fin- he finished number five. Uh, number eight, Spencer Rattler. Transfer to South Carolina. Uh, coach at South Carolina was at Oklahoma before. It's a familiar situation. Uber talented. Insanely talented. Everybody knows that Spencer Rattler is insanely talented. It's just a matter of fact if he can put it all together or not. That has been the big question ever since he stepped on foot at Oklahoma when he first came became the starter at Oklahoma. Like, I remember when he first took the starting job when he was officially not a starter. People were hyping this dude up like he's the best quarterback Lincoln Riley's ever had. Do you guys remember that? Do you remember sitting down when Link, when Spencer Rattler's about to start? This is the most talented quarterback he's ever had. We said that about Bryce Young when he first stepped foot on Alabama. Before he started, we said this dude has the potential to be the best quarterback Nick Saban's ever worked with, at least the most talented. You can go back to old shows listen to that. COVID times, when he decommitted from USC and trans- went to Alabama. Listen to that show. Listen to those shows. We talked about Bryce Young at nauseum. But Spencer Rattler, the big issue between Spencer Rattler and Bryce Young is his attitude. No one likes Spencer Rattler. That's the problem. I don't know if his attitude's rubbing... Well, I know his attitude rubs people the wrong way here, especially in the state of Iowa, but... Yeah, it, we'll just see if he puts it all together this year. He ended the season really well this past year. Was kind of that dark horse, like, talked about fourth-round draft pick, maybe sneaking into the third round, just based off potential. Again, finished the season strong, beat up on Tennessee, had like seven, t- six or seven touchdowns against Tennessee. So he's got the talent. Let's just see if he puts it all together. Number nine, Cameron Ward. I like Cameron Ward. He went back to college this year. So a lot of these quarterbacks, like we said, went back to college. I really like Cameron Ward. I think he's going to be a solid quarterback again. He put up good numbers at Washington State this past year. No real issues. He might be in my top ten this year. Might be at number nine this year. I don't know. I like Cameron Ward a lot. And then number ten, Grayson McCall. I like Grayson McCall. doesn't turn the ball over too much, but yeah. He's he's just outside the top ten on the preliminary scale. Of the top ten. And then others in the honorable mention section, we had Brennan Armstrong, who transferred to NC State, I think. This past offseason, the Malik Cunningham went to the NFL. We had Jane Daniels there in the list. Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma. Jake Hayner. Jaron Hall. Sam Hartman. Devin Leary just transferred to Kentucky. Sam Hartman transferred to Notre Dame. Tanner Mordecai, who I completely forgot about, transferred to Wisconsin. I saw that the other day. Completely forgot about that. Tanner McKee. Bo Nix. Tyler Show. Jeff Sims, who transferred to Nebraska. Keen Slovis, we just talked about, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson. So those were our quarterbacks that we listed on here. Now, if you look at what the top 10 actually was, like we didn't mention Clayton Toon in there. We didn't mention um, – who else did we not mention in there? Did I, I kind of covered everybody, didn't I? Is there somebody I'm just completely blanking on? Like we had the top four quarterback. Like you compare it to what ended my regular season rankings. Like we had Bryce Young 1, CJ Stroud 2, Anthony Richardson 3, 
Levis four, Hendon Hooker five, and then we had Jaron Hall six. No, Dorian Tops Robinson six, Jaron Hall seven, Tanner McKee eight. Number nine was was it Clayton Toon? Jake Hayner? It's one of those two. Then the other one was ten, if I remember correctly. But like that rankings list, if you look at this entire rankings list from 2023, going into the 2023 offseason, June it was updated on June 24th, 2022, but it was originally posted on May 4th. But you look at that. Bryce Young got drafted. Stroud got drafted. Levis got drafted. Tyler Van Dyke didn't go to the NFL. Stayed back in college. Richardson got drafted. Yurkovic went back to college and even transferred. Hennon Hooker got drafted. Spencer Rattler went back to school. Cameron Ward went back to school. Grayson McCall went back to school. So there's five out of the top ten right there that just went back to school. And you could just see a similar situation that happens this year. There's a lot of young quarterbacks in this draft class. There's also some old guys. Like you look at Joe Milton's uh, older guy. Bo Nix is an older guy. Michael Penix a little bit older. Then you have Jordan Travis a little bit older. So you have the older guys in there. You have some young guys like J.J. McCarthy could go back to school. Quinn Ewers could go back to school. Shadur Sanders could go back to school. Like there's quarterbacks that you could draft that could just or just want to draft that may end up going back. And you look at the people we mentioned in the honorable mentions section. Brendan Armstrong went back to school. Jane Daniels went back to school. Dylan Gabriel's back to school. Um, Sam Hartman, Devin Leary, Tanner Mordecai, Bo Nix, Tyler Show, Jeff Sims, Keaton Slovitz. That's ten quarterbacks out of the last what? How many is that? One, two. 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So 10 out of 15. So in total, 15 out of 20 quarterbacks. Is that right? No. No, 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 no. 15 out of out of 20. Wait, 15 out of 25. Yeah. 15 out of 25 quarterbacks went back to school. So the, if I made a list now versus if I made a list 10 weeks from now, there it's going to be completely irrelevant to what actually happens in the draft. Five of the guys we mentioned in the top ten didn't even go back to college, or didn't even go to the draft. And then ten guys in the honor interest section out of 15 stayed back at school as well. So you got an overwhelming amount of people that went back to school. We'll have to see about this year with Caleb Williams and Drake May right now being the standard, so to speak, in regards to the number one quarterback in the draft and the number two quarterback in the draft. And Michael Penix we mentioned up there. Bo Nix, Quinn Ewers, J.J. McCarthy, Jordan Travis, Joe Milton with the arm strength, athletic ability and all that. I think with Josh Hubble's offense, because you could say, like, I have a friend, Ryan, who we brought up on the show before, big Arkansas fan. He's my resident Arkansas Razorback expert. He's always on me for putting, I didn't put K.J. Jefferson in the, the honorable mentions list, and I should have. K.J. Jefferson was a constant figure in the top 10 quarterbacks in the draft this past season. And if you're looking at skill-wise, him and Joe Milton play similar ways. K.J. Jefferson's been more consistent than Joe Milton. Joe Milton got benched for Hendon Hooker. We've talked about this before. With Joe Milton coming in, Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker came in the same offseason. Joe Milton won the starting job over Hendon Hooker originally, but the offense looked dead. And then Hendon Hooker came in, and as we said in this draft, in this segment that we had here, 31 touchdowns and three interceptions. 31 and three. Like the offense went from this, like, bleh, to supernova, like that. And that's what led Tennessee to do what they did this year. You look at Jalen Hyatt's explosion this year. Like, the offense was damn near unstoppable. They had an insane offense. And that first year with Joe Milton as a starter was Josh Huppel's first year as the head coach of Tennessee. So as Huppel got more comfortable, Hendon Hooker became more comfortable in the system, and then you saw Hendon Hooker take off. Like, Joe Milton was a starter for the third, through the first two or three weeks of the season and then got hurt 
or I can't remember if he got hurt or just benched. I feel like he got hurt. But gets benched for Hendon Hooker, and Hendon Hooker takes off. So that's the familiarity with the offense, the system, and all that stuff. As the season progresses, that gets better and better. You get more and more confident. Going into this season, with that mindset of Joe Milton did not play very well the last time he was Tennessee starting quarterback. But the caveat there is that it was Josh Huppel's first year. I think being in Josh Huppel's system now, this will be the third year for Milton. He's been in, this is his sixth year of college football, if I'm not mistaken. He's at Michigan for two years. Sixth year of college football. Third year, ten, no, fifth year, six, fifth or sixth year. I think he was, he might have been at Michigan for three years. I don't remember. But that many, that many years under Huppel with Hendon Hooker there, a guy that he was, like, he's watched the NFL draft with Hendon Hooker. Joe Milton was right next to Hooker during the NFL draft. Like, they were, like, a, a package deal. So if you're working together, and you're with a guy like Hennon Hooker, who was a Heisman candidate, who would have been a Heisman finalist had he not gotten hurt, and was a Heisman favorite at midway points of the season, at certain points of the season. And in Huppel's offense, this but this goes so well, so nicely to Joe Milton's skill set. And in certain ways, I'm not saying this is 100% how it's going to end up being, because we're just speculating at this point. There are certain things Joe Milton can do that Hendon Hooker can't do. And given his size and just insane arm strength, like his arm strength, I love Hendon Hooker in his time in Tennessee threw one of the best deep balls, not just at Tennessee, not just in the SEC, but the entire country. And he may not have the strongest arm. He may not have the same arm strength as Anthony Richardson or Will Levis or something like that. But the consistency in the deep ball throwing was what made it so impressive. That's what separated Hendon Hooker in some capacity than some of the other quarterbacks in this draft class. Sure, he might be 24 going on 25 years old. Sure, he might tear his a- might have torn his ACL. I saw some of the day the Lions are going to redshirt Hooker. Well, obviously, he tore his ACL in November. He's not going to play this year at all. You need to come out and say that. But I understand why. I understand why. But we'll see what happens with Hooker in Detroit as the, as the years go on. But I think Joe Milton is perfect for this offense that Huppel's going to run. And that it's going to be a high-flying offense. We'll see if he's... Like, you look at the bowl game against Clemson. He played really well against Clemson. And this past year, 10 touchdowns, no interceptions. Now, again, a few of those games that he played in were when Tennessee was absolutely blowing teams out of the water, or they played Vanderbilt, or a not very good Clemson team, who, yes, won the ACC, but again, not a very good year for the ACC. Clemson was not a very good football team this past year, based on their standards. Comparing them to anybody else, sure, they had a really good season. But to the standard Clemson has set over the past however many years, this Clemson team reeked. I think they went ten and three or ten and four or something. Like they weren't record wise that bad, but for that standard, they were bad. And Tennessee took advantage of that. So a lot of those numbers could be you can look at as inflated because of the level of opponent that he was playing. But this dude's got the talent to be there. The only problem is that he's older. I I think he's twenty four or he's twenty three going on twenty four. I got to make sure what his exact age is. Yeah, he's 23 going on 24 years old. He'll turn 24 in March of next year, which Will Levis is that old, so it shouldn't be that big of a deal. And I think his overall skill set is just really fun to see. So, yeah, this will be a sixth year in college football. He hasn't thrown an interception this time at Tennessee. <laughs> but, again, that first year he was there, just didn't it just didn't work. It didn't, it didn't click like it did for Hooker. And then when you look at a guy, this is what we're coming around to, comparing him to K.J. Jefferson, K.J. Jefferson and him, again, similar skill sets. K.J. Jefferson's got a really strong arm. K.J. Jefferson can move. K.J. Jefferson's younger. K.J. Jefferson is as big. 
They can do similar things. The issue is we need to see K.J. Jefferson do that. I don't feel like we see K.J. Jefferson do that kind of stuff. We, Based off context clues from Josh Huppel's time at Tennessee and see what we saw from Hooker last year, we will see Joe Milton air the ball out. And if Joe Milton does, like a lot of us expect him to do, there's going to be a conversation about him being that number three quarterback of the draft. I think he's going to have to absolutely go supernova to pass the likes of Williams and May. But even then, even if he does, I think his age will separate him on that part. So he might just be stuck at three. I think three might be his peak in this draft, unless Drake May or Caleb Williams get severely hurt. Knock on wood, they don't, because I think they're both amazing quarterbacks. But Arkansas under Sam Pittman is a run-first team. Very run-first team. And they have the running backs to back it up. So it's not like this is a run-first team with no semblance of an actual running game apart from their quarterback, like the Buffalo Bills or something. No, 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 no. This is a very good team with Raheem Sanders, one of the best running backs in college football. you got one of the best backfields in regards to read option plays in all of college football at Arkansas. So when you have a quarterback that doesn't really show off the skills that he has because he's in an offense that doesn't allow him to show that, we might see a different conversation versus him and Willie, versus him and Will, Milton. And is that unfair? Yeah, yeah, I think that's relatively unfair. Because I think K.J. Jefferson's insanely talented. He's been hurt a few times this past season in Arkansas. He's somewhat inconsistent in the passing game, but you can't really say that's a knock against him and it's a positive for Milton because Milton hasn't really played. Milton has 17 passing touchdowns in his college football career. K.J. Jefferson, I think, had 23 this past season. And now I need to check that because I'm not 100% sure what exactly he had. I know he was hurt for portions of the season. Twenty, Okay, 24. 24 passing touchdowns. 6'3", 242. Like, he could be a guy that probably maybe transitions to tight end at the next level. I don't know. But I want to st- I wanted to get that out there before I get people on me because they are very similar in regards to what they can do. It's just a matter of we can't. I have a very – I think there's a very slim chance we see K.J. Jefferson do the same things Milton will do just based solely on the offenses their two teams run. If that makes sense. Maybe it's unfair. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. But I like both of them. I like both of them. I like a lot of the quarterbacks they have in this draft class. I like a lot of them. Like like Quinn Ewers and J.J. McCarthy. I'm really excited to see what they do, especially Quinn Ewers. Especially Quinn Ewers. Him and Xavier Worthy, the fact that B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson are not there is freaking massive for them. And not in the way, like, yes, it's a massive loss. Losing the likes of B. John Robinson, one of the best running backs in college football, the eighth overall pick in the draft, and Roshan Johnson, who would have been a starter on 95% of other college football teams in the nation, 99% of college football teams across the nation, just so happens he was the backup to freaking B. John Robinson. It's kind of a similar situation to Lendell White when he was with Reggie Bush in USC. Lendell White, when he was at USC, could have been a starter everywhere. He could have been a star at any other school in the nation. And he put up really good numbers at USC. He was a 1,000-yard rusher at USC, if I'm not mistaken. But the fact you're behind or sitting playing with Reggie Bush, you're naturally going to take a step back. So having those two guys gone is huge, but that puts so much more emphasis on the pass game. And until Quinn Ewers got hurt, Quinn Ewers was playing really well. Quinn Ewers was playing really, really well. He didn't put up the insane numbers that people were expecting. I mean, this is the highest rated high school quarterback of all freaking time. Like a hundred rating. On 24-7 sport. Like, this guy is supposed to be him. You look up the definition of him, it's a picture of Quinn Ewers, especially in the state of Texas, where he's from. Born and raised in Texas, 
and then plays for Texas. Obviously went to Ohio State, didn't work out there because C.J. Stroud was there. Can't really play over a guy that's going to get eventually drafted second overall and the two-time Heisman finalist. It's kind of hard to get above those guys. Transfer to Texas, beat out Hudson Carr for the starting lineup, made uh, Casey Thompson transfer, completely forgot his name for a little bit, who just transferred again to Florida Atlantic with Jeff Sims transferring to Nebraska. So we'll see how that goes for Casey Thompson. But with Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy, I'm very excited to see what Sark has up his sleeve this season. I think a second season with Steve Sarkeesian as his head coach under this offense, Quinn Ewers could really take off. Could really take off. Now, I could also see a reality where he doesn't, and that's perfectly fine. There's going to be a lot of expectation on him. He plays for Texas. He's from Texas. you got Matthew McConaughey in the stands every freaking game. There's going to be unreal expectations, and a lot of people out there, given that, I mean, he cut the mullet off, but the mullet was there in the first place. That's something we got to talk about. Kind of cringy during certain things. And as highly touted as this, people are just going to naturally not like him. That's going to be the problem he faces. People are just not going to like him naturally. But I think the dude's talented. Same goes for J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy's a highly highly recruited individual going to Michigan. He beat out a guy that led his team or was a, like a main contributor, a, big, a decent contributor to a team that went to the Big Ten title. And Cade McNamara is now playing for Iowa. And we knew going into last season, like it was common knowledge at last season that J.J. McCarthy was going to be the starter at Michigan. They were phasing out Cade McNamara the entire offseason. Like, if you couldn't see that, I'm sorry, you're probably blind. But the way they played J.J. McCarthy that season, like he got decent playing time, even with Cade McNamara playing well. And Cade McNamara did not light the world alight or anything. I think he had like 15 touchdowns, so it's not bad. But he didn't light the world alight. And you got a quarterback that sits behind him. And again, I love Cade McNamara. He plays for the University of Iowa, so I got to have some love and respect for him. Hopefully he is part of a team that, you know, actually lives up to expectations this year. It doesn't suck complete ass, and it's just heavily relying on their defensive punt team. Maybe they have a semblance of an offense. Maybe that'd be pretty fun to see. But for Cade McNamara, in all respect to Cade McNamara, J.J. McCarthy, like as unbiased as you can be, is way more talented than than McNamara. Like, in regards to arm strength, mobility, even size, McCarthy's got what you're looking for to be a quarterback at the next level. And he's 20, so he's not even old yet. And in games where Michigan, where teams were going up against Michigan, and what do you know about Michigan going into games? What's the first thing you think of when I think of the offensive side of the ball for Michigan? What's the first thing you think of? It's the rush attack. Like, you look at what Michigan did last year. Blake Corum got hurt, and they had their backup running back came in and ran for 200 yards against Ohio State. When you tr- but when you have that, a running game that is so dominant and so consistent with one of the best, if not the best, off the line in college football, which is how Jim Harbaugh wants to run things, which is completely fair. But teams would try to make J.J. McCarthy beat them, and J.J. McCarthy lived up to that hype. He may not have beaten TCU, but he played decent in that game. He played well against Purdue, which I guess he didn't really need to do a whole lot against Purdue, but against Ohio State. He had, I think he had three touchdowns in the game in the horseshoe in a dominating victory over the Buckeyes. Like, J.J. McCarthy's got some things to work on. I don't think he's anywhere near a polished passer yet. Like, if you're comparing him and Quinn Ewers, Quinn Ewers is further along than McCarthy is. But from an athletic standpoint, McCarthy's above Ewers in that aspect, just from strictly an athletic standpoint. Arm talent, I would give that to Quinn Ewers. But McCarthy, super talented. 
super talented. He's raw, but he's with Jim Jim Harbaugh, former quarterback. I expect him to have a very, very good season this year. Ohio State's got a new quarterback in Kyle McCord, which I expect Kyle McCord to go off this year because he's got freaking Emeka Buka and, oh, Marvin Harrison Jr., who's widely considered to be the best prospect in next year's draft. So Kyle McCord will be fine. I really if, if that's who ends up being the starting quarterback, which is what it looks like, but we don't have the answers to that yet. But I would imagine it's Kyle McCord, and he will – it's one of those situations you have to have success, especially when you have a solid running back core as well. You may have two new tackles with Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones going to the NFL, but – even Luke Weipler, the center, going to the NFL. He might have a, very, a fairly new off to line, but you got the best receiver receiving core of college football. He'll, ha- he'll have good numbers next year. So that battle between Michigan and Ohio State, and Iowa, of course, because <laughs> revolutionary offense for Iowa, can't win. You can't not win the West. You can't not. I know it's a battle to get blown out by either Michigan or Ohio State, but you cannot not win the West. Like, it's so easy for Iowa this year. It is begging Iowa to beat, win it this year. But you look at Ewers and you look at McCarthy in regards to the younger quarterback aspect, it's going to be interesting how they do. It's going to be interesting. And then you look at the older guys, like we talked about before, Michael Penix and Bo Nix, and then you will even throw in Jordan Travis. Like, Michael Penix got some injury history. You look at his time in Indiana, battled a lot of injuries there. Played immensely this past season with Washington. Played immensely. Beat Bo Nix at Oregon this past season. And him and Roma Dunze, the wide receiver for Washington, will put up absolutely ridiculous numbers this next season. Absolutely ridiculous. And you know what? Before I continue, I've got a, a freaking hot... I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I got a sweatshirt on, so I'm I'm, I'm getting hot. I'm, I'm getting too animated right now. I'm getting too animated. So I got I to gotta take off the sweatshirt. I apologize. We're leaving that in. And we're leaving that in. So you know how real this podcast... You know how real this podcast is. But Michael Penix, the lefty... I saw something today, actually, that a lot of people in the NFL... And again, I don't know how true this is. NFL Rookie Watch, I've said follow this account before because it's a very nice account. It tweets a lot of stuff about the NFL draft, which I like. I love when accounts start tweeting about the NFL draft. But I don't know how true some of these reports are. Like, we're sitting here May 11th, my half birthday. I don't think there's multiple NFL scouts reportedly believe Michael Penix Jr. is currently the top three quarterback in next year's draft. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. And based off stats, it's hard not to see why he'd be the number one quarter or number three quarterback in next year's draft. Many scouts believe that in some ways Penix is a clone of Tua. Which, if that's the case, I'm sorry, but. I wouldn't draft Tua with a top three pick. That's just me. I think Tua's fine. Maybe I'll get in trouble for this. If I was doing a draft, I would not want the guy that's clone of Tua. And again, no offense to Tua. Now, Penix is bigger than Tua, and the only real comparison between the two is that Penix is a left-handed quarterback. So that's really the only thing they have here. But I think Penix is a good quarterback. I think he's a really good quarterback. And then we got Bo Nix, who may not have the injuries, but you the thing that gets brought up a lot with Bo Nix, and rightfully so, is his time at Auburn. Bo Nix and his time at Auburn was one of the most overrated quarterbacks in college football in his time at Auburn. Like He had the skills to be a solid quarterback. He had the mobility. He has a good arm. He has a very solid arm. But he just never put it all together at Oregon or at uh, Auburn. It was just so up and down. 
and then transferred to Oregon this offseason, which surprised me because this dude's an Auburn guy. He's Auburn through and through. He was at the national championship game when Cameron Newton beat Oregon. Like he was there at the at the Cardinal Stadium. I think it was in the Cardinal Stadium. Like he was there. According to pictures, I don't know if it's Bo Nix. I don't know what he looked like when he was a kid. Maybe it's Bo Nix. Could not be Bo Nix. I have no idea. But pictures say he was there. So that surprised me when I said he, when he said he was transferring. But this dude, this past season, in regards to total touchdowns, this dude had like 40 or 50 total touchdowns this past year. He had like, he had like 15 or 14 rushing touchdowns to go along with about 25, 30 passing touchdowns. He had a great year. He had the triple crown touchdown game against Colorado this past year. He had a throwing, brushing, and passing touchdown. Or a receiving touchdown, sorry. And him and Troy Franklin, who's going to be a highly touted receiver going into this next season, be fun to see. Oregon, against, there were certain games this past year that Bo Nix looked really inconsistent. Like the game against Oregon State didn't look his greatest. But again, battling some injuries, he got hurt against Washington. Or uh, was it Washington? Is that where he got hurt on a quarterback pl- run play? Is that where he hurt his knee or ankle? I can't remember which game that was exactly, but the dudes played really, really, really well at Oregon. And I understand the hesitancy around Bo Nix because of the fact of what he did at Auburn. And the SEC, by all accounts, is tougher than the Pac-12. But, hey, Bo Nix played well, and I think Bo Nix played well enough to definitely be in that conversation for one of the top quarterbacks in next year's draft. And then Jordan Travis, for the final old guy, Jordan Travis is uh he's been in college football for a while. He transferred from Louisville to Florida State. And he is one uh, why who wants to, who's Travis Travis? Why would I search that? So he transferred from Louisville to, you know, Florida State. He's been in college for five years. So like Joe Nix, Joe Milton, this is his sixth year in college football. And unlike Joe Milton, though, there's been more flashes of Jordan Travis playing well than Joe Milton. And there's just, Jordan Travis has all the abilities. He's not the biggest dude in the world. He's only 6'1", 200 pounds. But in regards to an athletic standpoint, this dude's got freaking wheels. This dude can move. And he's got a very strong arm, or a very good arm. Like you've seen videos to pop up on Twitter recently. He's got a good arm. So I expect him to play really well this next season, especially this uh, going into the season. Florida State was super inconsistent the past few years. Jordan Travis has been somewhat inconsistent, but this last year he had his best year of his career. He had a career-high completion percentage, career-high in passing yards, career-high in touchdowns, had less interceptions this year than he did the past two seasons, didn't rush for the same number of yards, but his yards per carry improved, and he tied his career-high in touchdowns and rushing, and he got seven touchdowns. Like, Jordan Travis can play. Jordan Travis can play. Don't get it twisted. The only problem is that he's older. That's going to be a problem for a lot of quarterbacks in this class, draft class, like we talked about. There's older guys in this class, and there's some very young guys in this class. You got to find the happy medium. We got Ewers and McCarthy, and then you've got Jordan Travis. You got Milton. Like, even K.J. Jefferson. K.J. Jefferson is like 21 years old. Like, he's not even that old right now. But the final quarterback I want to mention here, I think is the most polarizing out of the prospects in this year's class, and that is uh, Shadur Sanders. Shadur Sanders is definitely... Because yeah, you already know about Caleb Williams, you know about Drake May, we already know about those guys. I wouldn't call those guys polarizing, because polarizing, yeah, from the aspect of them being super good, yeah, I understand that. But I want to be drawn to them because I don't know what this dude could be, or what this guy could do this next year. And there's a lot of reasons why Shadur Sanders falls under that. Because Shadur Sanders not only has played really well in his time in college football, 
He's the son of Deion Sanders. Prime time. That in itself is going to draw attention. You see all the attention Bronny James is getting? He just committed to USC. Like, this dude's been getting attention for years now. Like, you're the son of an all-time great. You're going to get attention regardless of how good you're playing or how bad you're playing. Now, it'll die off once your playing career is over. Like, Zaire Wade, I haven't heard about him in years. Or in a few years, anyways. But Shadur Sanders, being Deion Sanders' kid, there's going to be a lot of expectations placed upon you. And there's going to be the obvious thing. The big thing here is that he's playing for schools that his dad coaches. Which, fair, fair. But the dude is not just getting this playing time because his dad's the head coach. Shadur Sanders can freaking play. He's got the size you look for, too. He's six foot two, 215. He's got the size. His arm talent is ridiculous. I say ridiculous. He's got a very good arm. Very good arm. It's not like Anthony Richardson-level arm, but it's a really good arm. He's got a really quick twitch throwing motion. Like, he's got the skill set to do that, but the problem is he played at Jackson State, which, no disrespect to Jackson State, I like what they did down there at Jackson State. We talked about it a lot when Shadur Sanders, when Travis Hunter went down there. I like what they did down there a lot. I think it brought a lot of pub, uh, a lot of good publicity to those universities, which is what they needed in, over these recent years. And Shadur Sanders played very, very well. Like the two years at South at Jackson State, seventy touchdowns and fourteen interceptions. Seventy touchdowns. That's just throwing the ball. That's not combined. That's just throwing the football. He had nine rushing touchdowns in there as well. Like being Deion Sanders' kid, you'd think of overtly athletic people. Like Deion Sanders is one of the most athletic people, not just in the NFL, but in the history of American sports. Two-sport athlete, played in a uh, world's uh, playoff game and a NFL regular season game in the same day. Same day. Played against the Miami Dolphins and went up against, uh, crap, the Pittsburgh Pirates, I believe, is the team they played in the playoffs. They did that in the same day. Good baseball player, base stealer, all that primetime one of the greatest returners of all time, would say the greatest returner of all time until Devin Hester came along. The Easily the greatest corner of all time. The oldest line in the book regarding Deion Sanders, the best corner in the NFL is whoever's playing opposite Deion. The second best corner in the NFL is whoever's playing opposite him. Start getting all the looks in the world. Larry Brown got two interceptions in the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers because Neil O'Donnell refused to put, throw to Deion Sanders' side. Larry Brown signed a massive-ass contract with the Raiders, never did anything after the Super Bowl. I think, t- I think they were both pick sixes. They might have been both pick sixes. I, I know one of them was, but I they might have both been. You don't throw to Deion Sanders' side. You don't throw to the prime side. But when you have a guy like Stuart Sanders, you would expect him to be a running quarterback, and he's not. He can run. He is athletic. But the dude's got a really good arm. And the other thing, we talk about playing for Jackson State. Now he's playing for Colorado. And Colorado, I love because... You know, we did our NCAA Football 12 sim. Remember we talked about that a few years ago where Richard Dick was the head coach of Colorado Buffaloes. We won about seven national championships in that time frame. That is my, one of my favorite games ever, playing for Colorado. So I have a love and respect for Colorado. The problem is this is a Colorado team that has sucked major dick the past few seasons. This team has stunk. This team finished 1-11 this past season with 40 reported people entering the transfer portal. And I understand, like, people are getting upset about Deion, about Deion Sanders talking to the players like this. You are a 1-11 team. You have been trash 90% of the 21st century. Since you last won the national championship, you have been absolutely trash dog shit 
since God knows how many years. They haven't done anything in my lifetime. Their last conference championship was in 2001. They went 10-3. and Last conference championship was 2001 in the Big 12. They're not even in the Big 12 anymore. That's how long it's been since they've last won a conference title. So when Deion Sanders walks in and goes to the press conference and says or talks to the team and is like, hey, I'm bringing my own luggage, it's Gucci, or it's uh, it's Louie. You sucked ass last year. If you don't have the mentality to try and switch it up, then yeah, take that offensively. If you don't take it offensively, then you might just be part of the solution at Colorado and help turn them back into a legit program again. Like, this team has been bad 90% of my life. And that's not, maybe not exact math. Like, they've been to bowl games, sure. Yeah, they've been to bowl games. They haven't won a bowl game since 2004, but they've been to bowl games. In my lifetime, since 2001, since the turn of the millennium, they've won one bowl game. That was in 2004, as we just talked about, against Houston. Or no, 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 that was the Houston Bowl against UTEP in 2004. And they went 7-5 and five that year. That was their last bowl win. Like, if you got offended by that, about Deion Sanders saying that, and you want to transfer, fine. Transfer. Now, that could spell bad things for Colorado in the immediate future because trying to get a team to play with a lot of new players is going to be hard. It is going to be hard. But if you're not ready to try and help turn this thing around, then, yeah, leave. I'm on Deion Sanders' side of this thing. That's a mentality thing. Deion Sanders is one of the greatest football players of all time, one of the greatest athletes of all time. And he didn't do that by getting super offended by everything and then walking out of the first time of struggle. That's what this has all been. Shadur Sanders comes in, quarterback leaves. And Shadur Sanders is not just starting because Deion Sanders is dad. Shadur Sanders, again, can play. So I don't know if Colorado will be this new powerhouse this year. It'll shock the nation in their first year of existence because they, you know, you look at. Jackson State, when Deion Sanders first took over. Like, if I'm not mistaken, they didn't light the world up their first year. Yeah, they went 4-3 and three his first year there. Granted, that was the COVID year. But 4-3, and three, next year they went 11-2. and two. Next year they went 12-1. and one. So I'm not sitting here and going like, oh, Colorado will be an elite team this year. Because I highly doubt it. You went 1-11. Somehow, and your one win came in overtime against Cal. You got blown out in every single game you played. You got blown up by Air Force. And I respect Air Force. They beat up on you and I this year. But you're a Pac-12 team. You should not lose to Air Force. Like, here was what Colorado's record, or their scores to every game last year. 13-38. Okay, we'll go to the winning score first, because that sounded weird. 41-10. 49-7. 45-17. 43-20. 42-9. Then we have Arizona State. They won. They lost the game 42-34. 49-10. 55-17. 54-7. 63-21. to And they beat California 20-13. I don't care if people got offended by Deion Sanders coming in and do that. If I was a Colorado fan, I'd be happy someone came in here and was hoping they're actually right the ship this next year. They might win five games. They might win seven. I don't know. I think Shadur Sanders is talented enough to help stir the offense the right way, but we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. So that's the big question mark about Shadur Sanders. I don't know what Colorado's going to be. 
You lose a lot of players. There's going to be a lot of hype. There's going to be a lot of eyes on Colorado this year. There's a lot of eyes on Jackson State the past few years. There's going to be eyes on Colorado. Colorado isn't a le- is a legit program. This ain't no some podunk university. Like, this team's been bad recently, but they have a very strong history, and I'm hoping that they're able to turn it around. And what he did at Jackson State, I have no doubt that they'll be able to do it here. It might take more time, but we'll see. We'll see. Travis Hunter transferred there. They've got players there. We'll just see. I'm I'm just intrigued to see what Shadur Sanders does. But that's why he's the most polarizing prospect in this next year's class. And then we've got, like, you know, you got some others, like Michael Pratt from Tulane. I'm excited to see what he does this year. And you go, we talked about Grace McCall we had earlier. Jane Daniels played really well as, as the season progressed at LSU. Played really well. Helped beat Alabama. Jalen Daniels at Kansas. See a Kansas quarterback get drafted. That'd be pretty cool to see, wouldn't it? Spencer Rattler, Cameron Ward. We already talked about Tyler Van Dyke. Riley Leonard from Duke. Uh, Sam Hartman from Notre Dame. I, he'll definitely boost his stuff. Tanner Mordecai. I don't know. He put up really good numbers at SMU, but they have Braylon Allen. So I don't really see foresee Wisconsin being a throw-the-ball-100-times-a-game type thing. Now, they did get Luke Fickle, which should be interesting to see how that changes things, but yeah. So I, I didn't want to go through the entire, like, I don't, I don't have a co- coercive, uh, comprehensive list right now. But I feel like that was what we needed to talk about a little bit. Just explain why. And then go over some other stuff. Did, did, let me just talk about this on the Monday show. Cause prospect rankings preview. So it's kind of, <laughs> we did a prospect rankings preview, but this isn't a, the official prospect rankings. Okay. If that makes sense, just comprehend. We're trying to explain some things here, but it's fun. It's fun. And I saw a mock draft today. I love when people post mock drafts this early in the season. Like I say this early in the season, season hasn't even started yet. We just got the schedules today. We'll go over that in a little bit, but I saw a mock draft, 24-7 sports. Way too early mock draft. Number one pick in the draft. Now, it, it it's not accurate yet because it's <laughs> it's got a, you know, the Cardinals own the Houston Texans draft pick for next year. But uh, <laughs> it has the Texans logo with them drafting Caleb Williams. People on Twitter were not happy about this. Praying on CJ Stroud's downfall. You draft a dude second overall, and then you draft Caleb Williams next year. Maybe it happened. I mean, it can't for the Texans because they traded the first round draft pick, but I thought that was funny because some dude on Twitter was like, the uh, 24-7 is preying on C.J. Stroud's downfall, but it is the Cardinals pick. It is the Cardinals pick. But even then, I don't know if the Cardinals would pick him first. Cardinals can get a bunch of picks, which I think they definitely need. Kyler Murray, I won't even worry about playing Kyler this year. I won't even worry about it. I I would not play him a snap this year. Embrace the suck. Kyler, you don't just not risk injury. All that stuff will be fine. And then you get Marvin Harrison, and then you have a team like the Commanders. Caleb Williams is from D.C. Get the Commanders to trade up. For a team like Washington, the Commanders, they need all the help they can get. Getting a guy like Caleb Williams, a local kid, who's one of the best quarterback prospects in a while, compared to, to freaking Patrick Mahomes, that, you can make worse decisions there. You can make worse decisions there. <laughs> but then you got the Bucks will be up there too. The Rams, I'm assuming, will be up there if Matt Stafford doesn't play. So we'll see. We'll see what kind of things go on this past season. I, I don't really agree with the Colts. Like, they have him at number three overall. I don't really agree with that. I think that's a little mean to the Indianapolis Colts. I'm excited to see what they do. They're a very uh, hit-or-miss team this next season because they got, they're got they banking on high value, high, um, what do you call it, high talent. 
We'll have to see if it all comes together, though. I saw Jonathan Taylor the other day talking about Anthony Richardson. Said he reminds me of Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson. You throw Cam Newton in there as well. I Okay, let's calm down. Let's calm down. Those are uh, two MVPs and a guy who finished second in the MVP race. Let's calm down a little bit. Let's calm down a little bit. I see similarities in them, but let's calm down a little bit, Jamal, jo- Jonathan. Let's calm down a little bit, Jonathan. Let's chill out, man. I like a lot of the things the Colts are doing. I'm really excited to see what Anthony Richardson does. I hope he plays right away. I really hope he plays right away. Might as well. I mean, what do you got to lose? Like, if he doesn't perform well this year, well, guess what? You got him next year. Because I don't think they'd turn on him that quick. I don't think they would. It would t- it could take some time for Steichen to get his whole system in play. So maybe it doesn't work right away. There's a very good chance it doesn't work right away. But I'm betting on upside. I'm betting on upside. I told my dad today we were listening to the schedule reveal on the on uh, on the radio coming back from Cedar Falls. I'm watching a shit ton of Colts games this year. I watch a lot of Indianapolis Colts games because they got so much freaking talent on their roster. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. But we've got a we got the schedule release as we talked about, and some teams got more fun schedules than us, and the Bills got. A nice schedule. My dad and I, every single year, every schedule release day, we go through the schedule, and I have him go win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. And in recent years, his predictions have been less and less crazy because he used to be just super optimistic going into the season. Not really. Like, did he actually believe any of it was going to happen? No. But he always wanted them to do well. He was always thinking, oh, they're going to do well this year. I remember Josh Allen's rookie year, 2018. My dad and I did this thing where we, again, go through the schedule. They played the Ravens week one. First game of the year. On my parents' wedding anniversary. My dad said there is no way the Bills would lose on our wedding anniversary. Nathan Peterman sees so the 0.0 QBR, and the Bills get absolutely shit-stumped by the Ravens. Josh Allen's playing week two. <laughs> starting week two against the Chargers. And then starting week three against the Minnesota Vikings, which, again, we were there for, which was freaking awesome. One of the greatest games I've ever been to. But the Bills' schedule, it's tough. It's tough. There's a stretch in this schedule that is like a murderer's row type thing. So we've got the New York Jets week one on Monday Night Football. Should be fun. I'm really excited for that. I saw someone on Twitter today because people keep talking about the Bills lost to the Jets last year with Zach Wilson. Well, so did the Packers. Aaron Rodgers lost to Zach Wilson at home. Bills lost to them on, in MetLife Stadium at least. So there's that. There's that. But I saw Emmanuel Acho. I mean, Emmanuel Acho's always got some good stuff. <laughs> Top five AFC teams going to the year. Chiefs, Dolphins, Bengals, Ravens, Jets. Cool. Fair. I guess. They all made improvements. I think that's fair. I mean, the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl. They got Patrick Mahomes. People doubted him last year. People said they would miss the playoffs. People had Patrick Mahomes not in the top five quarterback list. Fair. I understand. Like, you won the Super Bowl. Dolphins. They almost beat the Bills with Skylar Thompson. Remember that? They almost beat the Bills with Skylar Thompson. Skylar Thompson didn't even play that well, so I wouldn't really put that on the back of Skylar Thompson. Uh, Bengals, yeah, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, all those guys, yeah, makes sense. Ravens, Lamar Jackson just signed a new extension. You got that off the back. Uh, you got Zay Flowers coming in. You got Odell Beckham Jr. Defense still stinks, but we'll we'll see how that improves, at least secondary. And they got the Jets. Signed Aaron, trade for Aaron Rodgers. Fair. But this again, like we talked about before, this is the same thing to a certain extent. I'm not saying that they're going to go on to win the Super Bowl this year, but the same thing that the Chiefs went through last year, you got the Chargers improving, you got the Broncos improving, you got the Raiders improving. Devontae Adams goes to the Raiders. Russell Wilson gets traded to the Broncos. They got a new head coach. All they need is a new head coach and a quarterback. They'll win. They'll start winning games. Chargers got Justin Herbert. 
They trade for Khalil Mack. They trade for J.C. Jackson. They did all these, or signed J.C. Jackson. I can't remember if they traded or signed for him. They did all these things. Chiefs, they traded Tyreek Hill. Oh, God. Going to win the division, win the Super Bowl. I all be- Again, I said this when Aaron Rodgers first got traded. I'll believe it when I see it. Believe it when I see it. Bills got better, too. The Bills right now are better than what they were at this point last year. I think that's getting lost on people. They're better than what they were last year. Their O-line's better. Their receiving core's better. Their tight end room's better. Their running back room's better. Their backup quarterback's better. They got a healthy Tredavious White going into the season. Healthy Micah Hyde. Sure, you lost Tremaine Edmonds. Sure, Vaughn Miller will start the season hurt. But this team's better than what they have been. This team's better than what they were last year. And I was talking to my dad today. I'm happy that there's a lot less expectations going on the season because before the season started, again, NFL Network, every one of their panelists had the Bills in the Super Bowl versus some random NFC team. Bills had sky-high expectations, losing the second round of the playoffs. Remember, almost lost Skylar Thompson, lost to Zach Wilson. Aaron Rodgers lost to Zach Wilson didn't make the playoffs, and he brought over the same receivers they had in Green Bay, apart from Garrett Wilson. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I like the Jets. I like what they have. I like Priest Hall. I like Will McDonald. I like Sauce Gardner. I like what they have. But, uh, again, I believe it when I see it. Don't even know if two will last the whole season. We've got Jalen Ramsey. Is that supposed to scare me? Josh has never struggled against Jalen Ramsey. He's beaten him every time he's played him, sunned him every single time he's played him. Doesn't really scare me. I like Jalen. I respect Jalen Ramsey in regards to what he's done so far in the league. I ain't scared of him. I was at the first time Josh and Jalen Ramsey played each other. I ain't scared of Jalen Ramsey. Sorry. And the Patriots, it's, I don't really care. Sorry. But to not have the Bills in the top five is actually, actually ridiculous. Like, I can see you not having number two, but not in the top five at all. Like, again, I understand Bills Mafia is a very quick to react fan base, very quick to defend, very emotional fan base. When your team's been bad for so long, when you start getting good again and then people start questioning you and wanting to put you back into the saddle realm where you came from, then, yeah, you get a little defensive. So I I think this is just to get clicks because it's what Fox Sports does all the freaking time. They just try to get clicks. Like Colin Goward really ranked Trevor Lawrence the top three quarterback in the NFL. Why? There's no no evidence pointing to that. (laughs) I like Trevor Lawrence. I like Trevor Lawrence. He had Jalen Hurts ranked sixth. He had Justin Herbert ranked fourth above Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. That's ridiculous, but, you know, people are talking about it. And he said he had the Bills at sixth. said, what about the Bills? Fair question. I picked the Bills to win the Super Bowl last year to end Josh Well to win MVP. I, I believe they peaked. Okay, so you got Josh Allen coming off an injury. Got injured against the Jets, which no one's really talking about. Injured to Helen back in the secondary. Trey White wasn't ever 100% healthy. Von Miller tore his ACL. Micah Hyde got hurt and put on IR week two. We had the DeMar Hamlin situation. No consistent running game, and yet they peaked then. Okay, that's fair. That's fair, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the gap between the Bills and Jets is not as sizable as their records indicate. Look deeper into their rosters and just not records. The gap between the two teams last year was that quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is now present. Present. I ha- The Bills I would have at six. Okay. That's all I really say about that. That's all I really say about that. I think it's a stupid take, but you know what? That's whatever. It's his opinion, so he can't be wrong, right? So, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited for this season. I'm more excited for this season than I was last season because there's doubters this year. There's no doubters last year. Like Everybody was expecting the Bills to win the Super Bowl, and now there's nothing there. 
Like you look at the past however four years, the Bills are only the only team above the Bills in wins, including playoffs of the Chiefs. I saw a tweet the other day. Do you think Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes were combined for 80 touchdowns this season? Easily. Last year alone, they combined for 87. Josh Allen had 42, Patrick Mahomes had 45. Like, easily. That's not even close. Why is that even a question? Unless they get hurt, knock on wood, I don't want either one of them to get hurt. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited going into this season because I think it's funny. I'm really excited. And I, you've got all these different quarterbacks going, like Josh Allen, Mahomes, Rodgers, and all that stuff. I saw this on Twitter. Every team's last 4,000-yard passer. You can do a quiz on this one. I wish they had a quiz on this one, but I have already seen this. Like, there are some long-ass times ago, long-ass time ago, where a team had a 4,000-yard passer. Like, the freaking Browns. Brian Sipe, 1980. That was when Empire Strikes Back came out. Originally. Not the 40-year anniversary. Originally came out. 1980. Then you've got freaking what other ones do we got on here? Crazy ones. Dolphins, Ryan Tannehill, 2015. Then you've got Joe Namath for the Jets. Joe Namath, 1967. My parents weren't even born yet. For the 49ers, 2000. Jeff Garcia. The Tennessee Titans, Warren Moon. That that organization was in a completely different city, different state. 1991. Now, what's funny about this list, I think I think it's a fun one. There are, that I can see, I could be wrong about this, I could be completely missing some, but there are two quarterbacks on here that appear on two different teams for their la- their team's last 4,000-yard passer. One of them's Tom Brady, playing for the Patriots and Bucks. The other one is Kirk Cousins <laughs> with the Vikings and Washington Commanders. The Commanders had a different name. They've had two different names since Kirk Cousins has been there and haven't had a 4,000-yard passer. And again, I like Sam Howell. I highly doubt that's going to happen this year. I could be wrong. I'm hoping to be wrong because I like Sam Howell. But I highly doubt that's going to happen this year. But I, the Bears, they've never had one. Never had one. I don't know if that happens this year. But I saw something that makes me, like, what brings me to that point. I saw this on Twitter, which, again, Twitter's always a very fun place to find like-minding people. Report, NFL team officials around the league are, quote, skeptical that Bears quarterback Justin Fields can be a successful pocket passer. Why does that matter? Can you tell me, looking around the landscape of the NFL, who is a true pocket passer in the NFL? Tom Brady just retired. You could say Kirk Cousins is one, but even Kirk Cousins throws on the run a lot. He loves the play action. Has a lot of success out of the play action. Especially on the rollouts. Very successful on rollouts. Then... The next one, Rodgers, would be another one. Rodgers throws on the run a lot. Rodgers throws a lot of off-balance throws. Rodgers throws a lot of back back foot throws. It's not necessarily a quote-unquote pocket passer in the traditional sense. Like Justin Herbert and Matt Stafford are the two only real two that I can think of, off the top of my head, that are true pocket passers. Like Allen's not a pocket passer. Mahomes isn't a pocket passer. Burrow is kind of a pocket passer, but he can he runs around sometimes. It's not traditionally not a traditional pocket passer. Like who is your pocket passers into Mac Jones? Mac Jones is a pocket passer. He tries to run, can't really, but he tries to. Then who else? Derek Carr. Derek Carr can run. He's not a traditional pocket passer. Who the hell cares? 
Who the hell cares if he's a pocket passer? In today's NFL, that does not matter in the slightest. If you're a pocket passer or a running quarterback or whatever, just as long as you're effective. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. If you can help your team win games, being a quote-unquote traditional pocket passer, it's not 1999. It's freaking 2023. It doesn't matter if he's a legit pocket passer. I don't care if he's a pocket passer. Dude was 70 yards away from Lamar Jackson's all-time quarterback rushing record. Now, that being said, I have seen Bears fans on Twitter compare him to Michael Vick. Do not do that. He's not Michael Vick. Stop that. He's bigger than Michael Vick. I don't think he's as good as Michael Vick, but he's not. He's bigger than Michael Vick. He is more... uh, I don't know if I wanted to say more developed as a passer, but he's... He doesn't have as strong of an arm because, again, Vic has one of the strongest arms in NFL history. He doesn't get talked about as much, but he's got an absolute hose for an arm, and that <laughs> the accuracy waned off of that. But we saw the best Michael Vic arguably in Philly. His first, his first year as a full-time starter in Philly. But there's no such thing as a traditional pocket ball. I don't care. I really don't care. NFL execs, how many of you guys would sign a pocket passer over Lamar Jackson or Mahomes or Allen or someone like that? You would sign a traditional pocket passer over those guys? Jalen Hurts? That's crazy. However, members of the Bear, a member of the Bears organization told Fowler that Fields is one of the few NFL players who can, quote, elevate an entire team. I believe that. I think his mentality is there. The mentality is key. I think Justin Fields' mentality will help him be a success in the NFL. I think his willing to willingness to put himself out there in regards to not really caring if he gets physically harmed in regards to taking a big hit in order to make a big play for the team. And people act like this dude can't throw a football. This dude is very accurate. He may not be as widely developed as some other quarterbacks in the NFL. The dude can throw a football. Let's stop acting like he can't throw a football just for memes. I know that's funny to do and it's fun to do. Let's calm down on that. Let's calm down on that. He may not be, again, the traditional pocket pocket. The dude can throw the football. The dude can run the football. The Bears believe in this guy, and I'm happy they did. I hated the reports of them trading a court, trading, drafting a quarterback this year in trading fields. I thought those were stupid. I think this dude can, has a chance to be really good this year. Really good. Like We ranked him high, decently high in our quarterback rankings the, past, the other day. I, I believe this guy. I think this guy will be good. I liked him coming out of college. I liked him in college. I like him now. I hope he does well. You know, I... I just do not – and I saw this as well. Justin Fields will be remembered as the second greatest athlete in Chicago has ever seen right behind MJ. Uh, no, that that's a little crazy. There's been a lot of really good athletes in the in the Chicago area, a lot of really good athletes. Not just on – I know football and basketball are the two most main ones, but, like, Walter Payton exists. Uh, Walter Payton – Justin Fields will never pass Walter Payton. Will Justin Fields be a top three player in his position all time? Will Justin Fields be as influential as Walter Payton? I don't think so. I That's where I have a hard... Like, even just you're keeping it in the organization. That's where I have a pro- hard time believing. Dick Buckus, another one. You look at the 85 Bears team, just the entire Bears organization, the 85 Bears. Dick Mike Ditka, like people think about as a coach, he's a Hall of Fame tight end. He's the one who kind of ushered in a new era of tight end in the NFL. Gale Sayers, just keeping with the Bears. Like, there's a, a quarterback. Yeah, he can definitely be the greatest quarterback in Bears history. It's not very a hard, high hill to climb there. You got Sid Luckman, and then your next quarterback is freaking Jay Cutler. Like the Bears have had two quarterbacks go to a Super Bowl, and there's Jim McMahon and Rex Grossman. I know Jim McMahon was a fan favorite in Chicago, was the greatest quarterback of all time, super tough guy, 
not the greatest quarterback. So, yeah, in regards to second greatest athlete Chicago has ever seen, the Bears got some stays in that. The Bulls, I mean, Scottie Pippen, even Derrick Rose to a certain extent. I'm not saying Derrick Rose is an all-time great or anything, but for the city of Chicago, what he did for the city of Chicago, Derrick Rose, being a local kid as well, as explosive as he was, the youngest MVP in NBA history, you got to look at that. The, the Cubs and White Sox, yeah, they've had great players, but like Ernie Banks, it would probably be, well, he's going to be the main one for the Cubs. Ernie Banks, greatest player in Cubs history recently, like Baez, Bryant, Rizzo, like you got Ryan Sandberg, you've got... Billy Williams, you've got Fergie Jenkins, Greg Maddox, White Sox, Paul Canerico. I don't know a lot. I don't know a ton of the Chicago White Sox best players. Mark Burley, uh, Jose Abreu. Like you've got other players. There's a lot of people here. And then the 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 one who I would put. I'm ranking the top five athletes in Chicago sports history. MJ's one. Walter Payton's two. Probably Gale, Gale Sayers three. Then four, do I want to keep it with the Bears? Do I want to go back to the Bulls and Scotty? And then number five is Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane might even be higher than that. Like, I know hockey's not the most most watched sport of all time. And it's becoming more popular around the United States now. We're getting to the crunch time of the NHL playoffs, but Patrick Kane is the greatest American hockey player of all time. Like that, that's enough right there. You can put him top three. I'm, I, you know, I'm going to put him top three. Grace Athlete Chicago, you got MJ, Peyton, and Patrick Kane. I could be missing out somebody crazy there. Maybe some people from Chicago that are diehard Bears fans would love to put Gail Sayers back up there. But you can't argue with Patrick Kane's resume and what he did on the ice for the Chicago Blackhawks. And that's what I want to talk about here to kind of close the show off. So the NHL draft lottery was the other day. It was on Monday. At least I believe, if I remember right, it was on Monday. Because I played basketball and then got the draft. The Chicago Blackhawks won the draft lottery, got the number one overall pick. And I was going to start the show off like that, but we got talking about the NFL draft. We were apologizing for not getting a, a blog post done for you. But the Chicago Blackhawks, I when that first happened, I was ecstatic. Because... I was not confident in the slight. I I had more confidence in me driving my car to I don't know this is gonna sound stupid, to the moon and back than I did having the Chicago Blackhawks win the draft lottery. I had zero. I told my dad there was a point one percent chance they were gonna win it. They had a, a technically an eleven percent chance to win the draft lottery, and this is a draft lottery. That is a potential franchise saver here. You are getting a guy that has over 140 points in 50-something games in up in Canada this past season, Connor Bedard. One of the greatest prospects of all time. You're putting him up there with McDavid. You're putting him up there with Crosby. Like You're looking at the, one of the greatest individual talents coming through the draft ever. This is a franchise-changing player here. We got Victor Wambiyama in basketball. Team's trying to get the number one overall pick there. Number one overall pick there. Bulls could get that there because you had the Bears getting the number one pick in the NFL draft. You got the Blackhawks getting the number one pick in the NHL draft. You got the Bulls winning the NBA draft. Just got the city of Chicago winning in all fronts this year. Bulls got, I think, a 6% chance to get the number one overall pick. Or a 1.6% chance to win the number one overall pick. 
same exact odds they did when they got Derrick Rose number one overall pick. Like, I was not confident in that at all. But then when it happens, and then you have that moment of like, oh my god, they actually got the number one overall pick. They actually did it. I thought there was, again, a 0.1% chance that that would happen. But I was ecstatic when it happened. I was so I was so giddy because I was like, oh my god. The Blackhawks just traded Patrick Kane. Jonathan Taves just played his last game there. And now you're going to get Patrick or Patrick Connor Bedard, whose favorite player, by all accounts from what I can tell, is Patrick Kane. So, and Patrick Kane could be coming back to Chicago this offseason. But with the Chicago Blackhawks being the number one overall pick of the draft, the Blackhawks, during the early the mid early to mid 2010s, on the ice, they won three Stanley Cup champions. They won three Stanley Cups. Quickly became one of the least popular teams in the league in regards to other fans outside the Blackhawks because of the fact they kept winning. It's what the Warriors turned into. It's what the Patriots turned into. Like, the Blackhawks were that team. They won three Cups in five years, 10, 13, and 15. They won three Cups. Dominating fashion. Some of the best players in the league. Patrick Kane, again, the greatest American hockey player of all time. Joel Quinville, one of the best coaches in NHL history. Like, they were not liked during that period. And then recently, over the past year, year and a half, we have the stuff about the Kyle Beach situation, where they covered up sexual assault with Kyle Beach and one of the, the trainers for the Chicago Blackhawks, where Joel Quenville basically was like, hey, keep this under wraps. We're trying to win a Stanley Cup here. We don't need any distractions. Crazy, terrible event that took place for the Chicago Blackhawks organization. I've talked about it on the show numerous times before. As a Blackhawks fan, it hurts. When you have a team and players you looked up to so much have that situation take place, it kills you inside. And it diminishes your fandom to a certain extent because you're like, how can I support people that do that kind of thing? It's kind of crazy to think about. And you have Kyle Beach coming out. We, my dad and I watched Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves talked about it, didn't believe a word they said. It's like, man, this sucks. For Kyle Beach, for what I orig- my love for the team and players had diminished to a certain extent. Like It was as bad of a situation as you could get. And then you hear the thing that Quinville's like, hey, um, keep this under wraps, essentially. It hurts. And then Quinville goes out and coaches for the Florida Panthers that next day. And then, like, what What the hell is going on here? And he's fired during the game. But it's like, how the hell could he coach that game? So with that whole situation taking place, I was that was the main reason why I was like, the Blackhawks are not going to get their number one pick. There's no way. There's no, I was telling my friends that. I was telling my parents that. I was telling the show that. That was why I was so unconfident about the Blackhawks getting their moral pick. But then when it, again, when it happens, you forget everything. It's like, oh my God, you get a franchise. I'm going to keep saying that because it's, it's insane to think about. And there could be a chance, like, not every top prospect ever in the NHL draft or at, at any draft has turned out to be amazing. You'd like to think they would because they're a top player in the draft. And the Blackhawks won't turn into Stanley Cup champions right away, but this is a player that could definitely accelerate that. And a lot of people on Twitter, because again, the Blackhawks before the Kyle Beach stuff came out were already not a very well-liked team. They're widely disliked because of how much they kept winning. People were preying on their downfall for freaking years. So now, when the, dra- the Blackhawks win the number one pick in the draft, People are going back to the Kyle Beach situation. And some of it, and this is the problem with Twitter, some of it is just mad that the Blackhawks got it. Not even really caring 
about the situation that actually took place, but just mad that the Blackhawks won the pick, so they got to rationalize it in some capacity. And it's a fair way to rationalize it. I'm not going to sit here and act like, oh, man, that's an insane thing to actually sit here and claim that. Like, I was on that same mindset. I didn't think they'd get it for that reason. <laughs> and they got it. And people are going ape shit on Twitter about it. And again, as a fan of the team, as someone that was living and breathing by that team during the situation, I can't sit here and go like, yep, you're at fault for doing that. Because the next day, I felt really odd about it. I felt really odd about it. Like, as I started thinking about it, I started feeling more odd about it. It's like, was I originally ecstatic? Yes. I'm not going to sit here and act like I wasn't. Any fan would be. But I kept sitting down. I was like, man, this is this is odd. I know they settled with Kyle Beach and all that stuff. But it's got to not feel great. Seeing a team that you were a highly drafted, highly drafted individual. Your whole life is essentially thrown away to a certain extent. And then that team gets rewarded the offseason after with the number one overall pick in the draft. Again, a franchise-changing player. I can see where people will be upset about that. And that made me feel different about when I originally felt about it. And I saw people on Twitter saying Connor Bedard should never play for the Chicago Blacks. Connor Bedard should say he'll never play for a team like that. He won't. He won't do that. I would be shocked if he did. And as a person that does cheer for the Blackhawks, I hope he doesn't. <laughs> like You wouldn't be sitting here going like, man, I hope this dude does that. You could say that, but the people that would say that would be lying to themselves. No one would want that. No matter how much heinous things your team's done in the past, regardless of how good it was, bad it was, whatever, sexual assault, if you get a chance like this, you're not going to sit here and go like, yeah, you should never play for this team. You're like, well, I get why they're upset, but man, you just should come play for the Blackhawks. It's going to be weird. It's going to be weird. I haven't cheered for the Blackhawks like I used to in a while. And you could point that to they're also not very good. So like, it makes it hard as well. But I used to watch them they were bad. This isn't something that it was just, oh, they're bad. I'm going to I'm just going to stop watching. I watch them if they're bad. Watch the players they have. I watched the trade deadlines. They were going in for the immortal tank here. The Kyle Beach thing just made everything so... I felt weird wearing Blackhawks stuff after that. I still do. I still do. The only solace I can really have in this situation in regards to... I don't know if you want to call it like... How do I want to word this? Um, How to rationalize it, I guess, is that everybody that was involved in the situation is thankfully outside of the organization now. In regards to the front office people, some of the players that were involved in that. And again, I appreciate everything Kane and Taves did on the ice. And Patrick Kane is my favorite hockey player of all time on the ice. Like, again, the greatest American hockey player of all time. So exciting. Patrick Showtime Kane. But it still sucks. It sucks. And it's it's just not fun to deal with. It's not fun to sit there and go like, yeah, I'm going to cheer this team on. But, you know, it's, I don't know. It's just odd. And I'm not, I'm very conflicted by the whole thing as I sit here a few days after the NHL draft. Like, the excitement level went from super high to not as high very fast. 
but I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it, and I don't I don't know if that's a good thing to say that or not. But I'm gonna I'm gonna watch, and I'm gonna watch the draft too. I'm gonna watch the draft. I'm gonna watch them draft Connor Bedard. They've already made like well the other day it was six point five million in ticket sales already. So the money that they were owed and fined in the Kyle Beach thing they've already made back in ticket sales. So it's it's odd. It's a very odd time. It's a very odd thing. I've never had to deal with this as a fan before. So it's a very you know, it's a very conflicting thing that you got on here. The the reality of the situation or the team. Like that's the that's the situation here. And then you got the Matariza situation coming out. Like we went in on Matariza. Like you hear the you read the stuff that was apparently done to this individual per the reports, and you're like, oh, this is gross. Like, yeah, get him out of the NFL. Get him out of the team. And at the time the Bills made the right decision. They cannot have him on the team. And that's what sucks about it. Because the reports now are saying he was not involved. The sex might have happened, but it was consensual. And he wasn't there when the whole actual big event took place. So, like with the the three dudes, is what the story originally said. He wasn't there for that. So I hope that Matt Ariza gets a chance back in the NFL. But again, in that same breath, the Bills made the right decision by cutting him. It sucks. It really sucks. It's... Such a weird time. Such a weird time. But I hope he gets another chance somewhere. And I don't know all the details about the Matariza situation. I know we went absolutely in on it when, it when it originally happened. But, yeah. If you read the original report, like we did on the air, all the stuff that was said, then, yeah, it, you would you would feel the same way. And I know a lot of people out there did. But it's just a weird time. Weird time in everything. Not just sports, but weird time in everything. But uh, that's all I've got for you today on this Friday edition of Logan Blyman Show. I do hope you enjoyed the show. If not, I sincerely apologize. We'll try to be better next time. Again, make sure you follow Logan Blyman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you subscribe, leave a rating on five stars on both. One-star rating or five-star rating, just let me know down below why you feel the way you, way you do. And I will see you all later. Peace.